Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you all. And may he open the eyes of our understanding to this marvelous life that is ours in Christ Jesus. I want to share a few scriptures. You'll see immediately where we're going with this. Um, The first is in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 where he says, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit, singing, making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Okay, then over in Colossians in chapter 3, where he gives the list of what was the old life to be discarded now as useless, and then to put on, assume who we truly are, become who you are. And at these, at the end of the list, in verse 14, he says, beyond all these things. So ha- having um, assumed the very behaviors of Jesus in so many areas, he said, now, this is the heart of it. Beyond all these other things, put on love. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Then he goes on, let the word of Christ dwell richly within you, and so on. And it says, and then um, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And then finally, in 1 Thessalonians and chapter 5, and he gives these little bullets, you might call them. Um, he doesn't expound on them. He just shoots them out in verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The fact is, I could keep going, but I think those three verses or three combination verses, uh, they, they sum up what is, I'll have to say, one of the most basic underlying messages of the entire Scripture, certainly of the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, um, praise and thanksgiving takes an enormous place. Uh, You might say that the covenant people 
were and are known as persons of praise and thanks. You know, when a a language has a lot of words to describe something, it's because the persons who speak that language are very involved in that. How can I put it? Um, In the northern climates, we have a lot of words for snow or ice or sleet or hail or freezing rain. You get it? Blizzards, whiteouts. All those words describe in some way cold weather, snow, and all precipitation that goes with it. Well, you go down into the Africas and into the equatorial areas, and they don't have a word for snow because they're never involved in it. They, they have no words for it. Whereas if you are involved in it for a good part of your life, then you make up a lot of new words to describe every part and movement of it. Well, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language, they have so many, many words for praise. Every move of praise, every attitude of praise, everything that goes with it. And all those words tell me that these covenant people, they were involved in praise as much as a person in northern Canada is involved in snow. It was part of their life, and so they had to have all these different words for praise. Well, when we come to the New Testament, which, of course, you know is another language, it's Greek, but the persons who wrote the New Testament, even though it was Greek, were Hebrew people, and they gather up all those words in the Hebrew language for praise and essentially put them under the umbrella of this word, thanks, or thanksgiving to God. And so you could say, that the, these these uh, when well, when we read the words thanks we we go back in our minds to all those words in the Old Testament, which show these various movements of praise. There are some of those Old Testament words that really fit into this word giving thanks in the New. Sometimes in the Old Testament they are translated as thanksgiving, and. Um, one of them, maybe the most prominent one, is yada in Hebrew. And that's a fascinating word because it means essentially to know. But but it means to know by seeing. That is not, you, you can't have hearsay here. When, when you say yada, you, you mean you know by personal observation by seeing, by having personally experienced. And it means to recognize, because you know the person, you recognize them when they come into your life. You recognize their fingerprint, you recognize their footprint, you recognize that's what they would say, this is what they would do. You you fully, fully know this person and recognize them. It talks about a direct, immediate, intimate experience of knowing a person. Well, that is essentially the background, the canvas on which this word giving thanks is painted. And, and I have to go into this in some little detail because, you see, 
when we say here in the West, when we say thanks, we usually say thank you. Um, and it usually is, uh, it's about something that someone has done all the way for holding a door open at the post office for you and you say thank you or for your neighbor coming over to help you move a lot of stuff and you say thank you. And that's not how the word was used either in Old or New Testament. This word means that I, what, I know, I know God and I am thanking him and I am declaring him in the midst of my life. My eyes are riveted to him in all his attributes, all that he is, his essential goodness, the fact that he is love and he is wisdom and all his strength flows out from his love to his people. It's, it's seeing God. It is recognizing God when everything around you is as black as night, when everything around you is chaotic, and my five senses all give us a report that it's frustrating and futile out there. Giving thanks means that I look through that and I see God. I recognize my Father. I recognize the hands of Jesus. I recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I confess that that's the way it is. That's the reality. I don't get caught up with the darkness. I don't dwell upon the frustrations. I don't get pulled down into the abyss the emptiness of a world without God, I rather see God in the assurance that he has covenanted himself to me, will never leave, will never depart. And therefore, I give thanks to him when circumstances do not give rise for that, when circumstances might actually need to be contradicted if I give praise to God. But I do so. That's the meaning of this word. Because I know him and I know he's here. I don't have to feel. I don't have to have evidence. I know him in my heart knower. And knowing him, I trust him. That's all in this word, giving thanks. And so, as I say, it's not saying thank you for this, you know, and thank you for that. There's a place for that. There's a place for that. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just to to corral this word thanks and understand that when we give thanks to God, it is directly to him as the person that he is and all that he reveals of himself in his works, his actions toward us. Um all that he reveals himself to be in his promises. And so we give thanks to him. And there's another time and place to say thank you for what he's done for us. But this word, as we use it in these verses we've read and a multitude of others, it is to know him and thank him and confess his goodness 
in the midst of life. So, giving thanks in this biblical sense has got nothing to do with my feelings. Now, don't rush over that. Don't, don't nod wisely and say, I know, you know, faith, not feelings, and all that sort of stuff. No, think about it. Um, giving of thanks to our natural mind associated with happiness. I give thanks. Um, but it, it's, it's a feeling response. Life is good. Life is on my side. Life is going the way I wanted to be. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, um, you you have a group of people um, in our religious world today, and it's fine. I actually I know what they're saying, um, but it's unfortunate the way they say it sometimes. That they, they they will talk about themselves in the darkness of life, in their confusion and not knowing where to go, what to do. And they say they're waiting for God to show up. Oh dear. No, that we, we don't go there. No, 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 no. See, and, and when something happens that they deem is God showing up, then they will give thanks to God because he showed up. Um, you, you've heard it, I'm sure. People say, uh, as they report, you know, last Sunday the Lord showed up. It was a marvelous meeting. Well, I'm sorry, you are absolutely biblically wrong. We are giving thanks to God, not as a feeling response, not because what is happening demands that I respond to it by thanking God. It is thanking God because God is God. The holy triune God is who he is. Love, goodness, wisdom. And he is for us. He likes us. He's with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. And I don't care what the circumstances. I don't care what my five senses say I ought to be feeling right now. God is God, is God, regardless of what is happening or what feelings might be rising in me responding to those happenings. You see, the fact is, that's ever-changing. Dear Lord, it's no wonder people's uh, understanding of God sometimes goes up and down like a yo-yo. Um, I mean, my feelings about life can change by the second it's like the weather in South Texas. You, you, you feel good today, and then something happens. Somebody says something. I mean, it only took them half a minute, and you plunge down. Everything's black now. Everything's wrong. You get a letter, and it changes all your feelings. Um, now, that's got nothing to do. That's another department. But... Um, to give thanks to God is to thank him because of who he is, not because of how things look. You see, and we have to stop here for a minute. The flesh, my, my humanity seen as an independent entity, independent of God, my flesh, feeds on feelings. It's all it's got, for goodness sake. Feelings are the foothold of Satan the liar in our lives. I feel this way, I feel that way. And, and, and Satan leaps on that. No, 
giving thanks is a heart. It's the mind of my heart that responds to the unchanging Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who is always with me. Always. Giving thanks in the way that I've attempted to describe is the very first expression of faith. You know, it says in Hebrews 11, he who comes to God must believe that he is. Very simple, but profound. It's the first expression of faith. He is. And he is all that he has revealed himself to is be. And therefore I respond with thanks. What a God. What a, who is like unto you in all the crazy ideas that humans have of God. Who is like unto you, O Lord. Is, is giving thanks. Now, very importantly, not giving thanks, unthankfulness, is one of the first expressions of sin. You know, we don't have time to read it, um, and you might be familiar with it, but it's in Romans in chapter 1, and around verse 18, 19, that, that, it, it's describing how sin entered the world. And then from verse, I think it's around verse 19, all the way to the end of the chapter, it, it gives this terrible spiral downward, downward, downward to the very abyss of sin and what it produces and what it does. But right there at the top, in verse 21, Romans 1.21, the very first expression of man's hostility and separation from God is he did not give thanks. That's the first thing. After that, after mankind did not give thanks, then we're on the spiral down to the bottom of the barrel. And interestingly, in 2 Timothy 3, when it's giving a description of the great apostasy, the great turning away from God, right there, smack in the middle of it, is unthankfulness. This is not just something that a few Christians do. This isn't a sort of a, a charismatic Pentecostal thing, you know, where people will say, praise the Lord. and no. This is foundational to the Christian life. Giving of thanks. It's the first step of faith. See, this takes us, this takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And I, I've got to bite my tongue here. I don't want to get off on that. But I do want us to see what happened. See, Satan came with his great lie. Declare yourself independent of God and you shall be as gods. But that lie needed a trigger. And that trigger was the tree that God had designated, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is, believe Satan and in your shrug of independence from God, you'll do what he warned you 
was death and, and, and to take of the fruit. And of course, it's, it's got nothing to do with what kind of fruit it was. It's not sort of fruit with sin juice. Um, it, it's, it's simply the act. And the act of eating is to participate. And he said, in so doing, you will be plunged into death. A mental, emotional, spiritual separation, which is essentially what death is, that will lead eventually to physical separation from this world. And that death is characterized by the knowledge of good and evil. Huh. What does it mean? It means that the human now, in his the darkness and deceit, the lie that Satan has told that has gotten into the very genes, it's the way human looks, uh, self and life, but he, he's as God. He's as God. So what does God do? God judges the events that are taking place, you see. And, and, and so mankind begins on a journey that, it's incredible. He will now judge everything in life as good or evil. I mean, before we've had our first cup of coffee, we've reeled off two or three judgments. Um, as we drive to the office or go to the school, we, we, we've judged other drivers. Everything's good, evil, good, evil. Um, we, we judge what people look like, we judge how they talk, and we're, we're putting them into slots all the time. Good, evil, good, evil. We, we see ourselves at the center of our world, and how these people relate to us depends on whether we see them as good or evil. And the events of life, all the things that happen to us, we, we slot it all, that's good, that's evil, that's and and then we look at ourselves and we join Satan, the great accuser, and, and we judge our own lives as being good, evil, good, evil. Now that's, that's how death works. Or as Romans 8 calls it, the mind of the flesh. But you see, it's always changing. What I thought was good this morning, I realized by this afternoon, it's evil. Oh dear, you see. And, and what, what that person did, I, I said it was evil, but really, you know, looking, it's good. And in that continual changing, because I'm not a God, you see, I'm just a pretend God, a phony God, a false God, birthed out of the false God himself. I don't know what I'm doing. Everything's changing. I produce chaos. But you see, it's what I say is good depends on whether I'm happy and thanking for it. And so I, I, I want this to be good, but it isn't as I planned it. So it's not good. It's evil. So therefore, it doesn't make me happy. Therefore, I can't give thanks for it. I complain. I whine. I want self-pity. Look what, look what happened. My happiness depends on how good things are to my poor, twisted mind. And when things appear to me evil, then I complain and I whine at the absence of good. 
And in the middle of all this is the author of the lie, Satan, and he is called the accuser. Satan means slanderer and, and, and gossip. And, and so he's right in the middle, always complaining to me about me and putting ideas in my head about other persons and accusing myself and accusing them. Huh. And that's mankind. I've not described just a little ghetto of people. That's mankind. And it all comes out different ways where you were born. But but that's it, the heart of it. Man goes through life as the God who's going to determine good and evil. And he's going to determine his relationship with his distorted, twisted idea of God by how good he is. And he will walk forward, if he's a certain kind of religious chap, he'll walk forward every Sunday to be sorry for the evil he's done and try and be gooder. That's, that's this world system in death and darkness, lives by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there's no thanks to God there. The only time I rise to any kind of thanks and appreciation and gratitude is when there's good. And with most people, there's not too much of it. Uh, and, and, and so, I, actually, my happiness tends to be like a sandwich. It, it, I, on, on the one slice of bread, I'm aching for good. I want it, I want it. And then it comes, and I have the meat inside the sandwich, but then it goes and I'm unhappy again because it's gone. I'm a little piece of good sandwiched between what I see as evil. Huh. No wonder, you're a miserable bunch. Uh, and have you noticed, I mean, those of you that work in factories and stores, and when you get together in the lunchroom, there's very little positive there. It's always pulling people to pieces. It's always complaining about the government and everything else. And it, it, it's, it's a continual judging. And, and one little god on one side of the lunchroom is competing with the other little god with pity parties. And Into that world, God himself came in the person of Jesus. Now, he brings about in his own self a radical new human being. He's called the last Adam. And this last Adam does not live from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He lives from the tree that Adam never touched which is the tree of life. Do you remember that? There were two trees in the garden. The tree of life. Life. Life has nothing to do with whether something's good or evil. It's another tree altogether. It's a totally other way of living. What is this life? That Jesus said he was the very origin and source of. In our humanity. What, what, what is that life? He told us, John 17, 3, he said, this is eternal life. This. You see, 
if I'm in the good evil mode, then I extend that into forevers that the good is that I'm going to live forever, which could, in my opinion, be terribly boring if that's all you've got. Um, but John 17, 3 says, no, eternal life isn't that. Oh, P.S., yes, we live forever. But that's not, that's not eternal life. Eternal life, said Jesus, is that you might know the Father and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. And that word, know the Father, is the word I talked about when we got started. It's that intimate knowing. It's that personal knowing. It is knowing by experience. It is knowing by being united together so that you know each other from the inside out. Jesus said eternal life, being alive, is to personally relate to God the Father and to him, Jesus the Son, to know and know is to trust and to realize and recognize that all of life is in his love. The God creator, upholder of all things is limitlessly for us. And that response to that is trust and giving him thanks for who he is. The very life that birthed me, the life that upholds me, the life in which I live out this life on earth is love. And he is in it and through it. And achieving his love ends at every step. And if you doubt that, let me ask you, if he's not in your life up to his earlobes right now, then where is he? <laughs> or I could put it this way, if he's not in your life right now, totally, totally involved in every movement of what you're going through, then he's nowhere. You don't slip in and out of the God who is everywhere present. No, he's, he's there. And that's the beginning of thanks to, must believe he is. He's here. He's now. And if he's not here and not now, then he's nowhere. I can't, I can't divide God up. He's over here. He's over there. I can't, I can't travel to the ends of the earth so that God, God's showing up. No, no, no. Don't be daft. He, he's right there in your bedroom. He fills your kitchen. And that, that's the beginning of the tree of life. So I, I don't judge life by what's happening. I, I don't judge you altogether by what I see. I, I recognize that in him we live and we move and we have a being. And this, of course, is the essence of joy. You see, joy is not trying to find happiness by external good versus evil. Joy is an inner, got nothing to do with externals. It's an inner seeing of God the Father who is revealing himself through Jesus, God the Son, 
and ever through the Holy Spirit moving toward the fulfillment of the agenda of love in your life and the life of your world. And as I recognize love is triumphant, love is around me, love is under me, love shields me, love is over me, love beckons me on into the future. All is well, I am in love's hands with that that realization, that recognition of the onward movement of love, there is joy. I, I could, again, talk about that. But do you remember when Jesus told his parables, uh, the shepherd and the woman and the father in Luke 15, what's the key phrase there? Rejoice with me. I have found my sheep that was lost. That is, love has achieved its purpose. That's joy. Even in creation, it says uh, at the creation time and space, the angels sang together. There was great joy. Why? Because love is fulfilling purpose and harmony and bringing about a creation of peace. That's how it is. Um, going through the awful sufferings of the cross. It says that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the sufferings and the cross and death because of the joy of fulfilling love's purpose. So it says, and I'll try and cut this part of what I'm saying off at this point. It says in Matthew 5, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure. You know, you talk about uh, what? Pure milk. Okay, pure pure milk. Do you ever say that over here? I don't. But anyway, pure milk. It means it's not laced with water. You know, it, it's milk. That They've not, they've not, um, they've not caught you with putting water in the milk. Um, I, I could keep going on that idea. Pure means unmixed. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those that don't have a mixed view of life. You're not always saying, that's good, that's evil. Uh, I, I want that good, I don't want that. No, 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 no. Blessed are the pure in heart. What do you see? I see God. I see God. I have a single eye. I don't see God here, devil there. I see God, God, my Father who loves me, Jesus, who is word of love to me, Holy Spirit, who is the mighty energy and action of love in my life. He is here. He is now. And that's the way it is. Now, let me quickly say, by what I've, I've said in the last 15 minutes, I do not mean that we deny evil and call it good. You know, tree of the knowledge of good and evil doesn't mean, um, or rather my exit from that does not mean that I'm now going to deny that evil exists um, and call evil good. I, I'm, I've met, no, no. Jesus, living at the tree of life, but still he would say that the Pharisees were the very children of Satan and spent a whole chapter, Matthew 21, of woe to the Pharisees. Um, 
Jesus wept over Jerusalem for their evil decisions. And I could keep going on. When, when he saw the sick, he was moved with compassion. That is, is the scream of love that says that shall not be so. No, we, but we do not determine life by judging good and evil. We recognize evil. We recognize good. But we, we see our Father transcending that. That's where we live. I, I, I don't live in, in, uh, as if good and evil are the magnetic north by which I define life. I acknowledge there's evil very, very much so, and I acknowledge there is good, but above it all, I am locked in to God my Father, which transcends mere good and evil. And we walk in his life, we walk in knowing him, and we give praise to him, and we recognize him, and we confess him in all of life, in all of life. That's why those verses I read, uh, we read that praise, thanksgiving is to the Father. It's, to, it's, it's not to the circumstance, it's to the Father. Whatever my circumstance, and it, it says a lot about that in those verses, well, whatever you're going through, whatever the situation, always your praise to the Father. And it says that you... Give thanks to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? In the name of means union with. It means that as he is, so are you. It means that Jesus himself has placed his name, his person, through the Holy Spirit inside of you. And therefore, in his life, in his mind, seeing through his eyes, through the Holy Spirit, you see God the Father and you give him thanks. In his name, it means in his authority. That is Jesus. Jesus is the truth, the reality. He's the faithful and true witness as to what life is really all about and what God is really like. He's the only witness. He's the only one. He said, no one knows the Father except the Son. What a statement. Nobody. Nobody. And he said, and he would reveal that knowledge to those who would come to him. And so we are those that trust in Jesus' authority to tell us the truth about the Father and to join with him, because we are joined at heart with him, his very self, by the Holy Spirit, to give thanks to the Father, whatever it looks like in the world around us. That world around us. That's why those verses we read says, in everything, in everything, in everything, at all times. That, that takes in the totality of life. That is saying that I recognize the fingerprints of my Father in all of life. Whatever valley that I'm in, I see the footprints of Jesus. He's been here before me and he's with me now. All of life, 
all of life. So don't concentrate on the darkness. Concentrate on the presence who accompanies you in the darkness and opens your eyes to the goodness and the love of the Father. In everything, give thanks. That changes your worldview, doesn't it? Oh, you, you've got to think about this. This isn't a message of a few minutes. This is life-changing. How do I look at my world? How do I interpret the happenings of my world? What is my attitude as I walk out of my house in the morning to face my world? Do you recognize? See, no. Do you recognize to the point of how you talk, your say-so, your confession? You know the word confess. It means to say the same as or to say along with. Does your conversation say the same thing as Jesus says about the Father? Now that's... That's what it means. See, because if you've left the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, believing upon Jesus, passing through his death and his resurrection to the tree of life, then you've got a, a worldview, a way of looking at life where there's no separation. As I said, that will take you two, three days to think about. There, there's no separation. God is not up. God doesn't show up. God is not over there. God wasn't in yesterday. God won't be in tomorrow. He is unchangeably, limitlessly, forever and always now. In this moment. You couldn't be more in his presence than you are right now. That's our worldview. So nothing happens outside of God. My whole life happens inside his embrace. Governs how we talk. You know, back to the water fountain, the lunchroom. For it, it could be once you get a hold of this reality that for a few weeks you won't say anything. You, you'll wonder, what do I talk about? Because you realize how much whining, complaining, self-pity... Anger was in all the conversation. No, it's changed. Huh. I, I, I'm, I'm tapping into what the Father is doing in all of this. And I'm sharing the mind of Jesus with him through the Holy Spirit to see what love's agenda is. No, this government... See, Giving thanks is not something you do on a Sunday morning or at the prayer meeting with your hands raised and saying, thank you, Jesus. No, this is how you think and how you talk about life. You recognize the presence of the Holy Trinity all around you and under you and over you and ahead of you and behind you. Giving thanks is the dialect of the new mankind that came into existence in Jesus. In everything, give thanks. So that covers everything that's now. 
and think about that. Might be good to get a notebook and write down every part of your life as it's now happening and then write there plain for your eyes to see that the triune God is in the middle of all of this, but better yet, this is in the middle of him. And don't leave your writing until that's sunk into your heart. He's in it now. Whatever now holds, this is his now. Because he's joined himself to you for good or for bad. I mean, you're in it together forever. But it also determines how you think about your past. Because many people have locked into their past as the determination of the present. Something that happened in the past that has defined you and you've never moved since then. That's it. That's who I am. You even go to groups where all people like you can get together and commiserate and and, um, define yourself by the past. No, isn't it about time you look back on that past and realize that he has brought you from that past to this present moment where you are knowing Jesus? What a God. He got inside your past and brought you to your present moment. He did not abandon you there. See, it's as if all sheep that had ever been lost got together in a special flock to talk about the horrors of lostness. But the parable is about a shepherd who got them out of that. Think about that. And you see, we prepare for all of our tomorrows. That is, my anticipation of tomorrow, my hope of tomorrow, my expectation. It all boils down to, he'll be with me. Whatever tomorrow holds, all of the what-ifs that my flesh vomits up, he, he, he's there. I am giving thanks to him that he, he, he's there. He's, surely as he's been in my past, he is in my present. I know whatever tomorrow holds. And I don't even go there because I don't know. But whatever it does hold, he, he's there. See, that's what David did in Psalm 23. We talked about it months ago. When David looked into his future, which had every indication of of possible death by the hands of his own son, but he said, even though, that's it, you see, even if it comes to that, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what am I going to do? But before any what if could spring up, He said, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And then in Habakkuk in chapter 3, have you ever read that? The fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine. All the animals are dead and there's nothing in the stall and nothing in the barn. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. You see, are you getting it? The focus was not on the valley of the shadow of death. It was on the fact you're with me. I give thanks to you. It's not on the fact we have an economic disaster. It is. I will rejoice in you. You're unchanged. You're unchanged. And you'll be there. Your glorious self. Whatever happens. Whatever. 
in everything, give thanks, you see, in everything. In days of blessing. <laughs> Would you believe, if I said maybe that's the time when I really need to listen to this? In days of blessing, I recognize God. I don't say what a coincidence. There's no, that's interesting. There's no word in the Bible for coincidence. We blunder-headed Westerners invented that idea. Oh, there's no coincidence. God is the orchestrator. There's no such thing as chance. There's no such thing as fate. And I may have been given gifts by God, but make sure you remember that. And, and, and don't praise your own independent ability. See God in every turn of your life. See that the blessings that you now enjoy are directly the operation of the covenant God. There's another half to the universe. And that half directs this half in everything. And of course, what maybe we emphasize when we talk about this, the hurtful days, the unwanted days, the days of confusion when we feel so much frustration and futility. And sometimes when it, we, we pray and it seems the burden only gets heavier. That's the time to see through the eyes of Jesus his faithful and true report to the Father. Be anxious for nothing but rather giving of thanks. In fact, on such days, all the more so we send out, like soldiers, we send out our words of thanksgiving that confess the truth and declare the goodness of God. Words out of my mouth, your mouth, that are filled with divine light. Words that are the omnipotent power of God through the Holy Spirit. Words that, as I speak them in praise to the Father, unravel the darkness and bring his deliverance and his healing, his mending. And then come back to me to report with testimony, which gives to further thanksgiving. That's spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare isn't concentrating on Satan, you see. <laughs> if you ignore Satan and give praise to the Father, it, it drives the forces of darkness crazy. Because all that Satan wants is fame. He, he's the original idol. He, he, he is the one that sets himself up as the false god. The only thing he could ask of Jesus was, fall down and worship me. And to ignore him and praise the Father that there's only one God, and that God is love, and that God, I'm in him and he's in me. Those words unravel the darkness and horrify the Satan who's been ignored. Yeah, oh, is there so much we could say here. You know, let me say this. It says in Proverbs in chapter 3, what is it about verse 6? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. That's interesting. That word acknowledge, see the word right in the middle of that 
acknowledge. Right in the middle is no. And guess what that is in Hebrew? Yada. Yes. In all your ways, recognize him. In all your ways, know him intimately. Don't get distracted by the happenings of life. Know him. Or could I put it this way? Well, I'll tell you, as I was coming here to record this, Nancy, my wife, um, stood in front of me and, and she said, this is what the Lord has said to her. She had no idea what I was going to be talking about. But, but she, she quoted that verse from Proverbs. And she said, enjoy the process of walking the road of life. Do not be distracted by the end of the journey. And that is, that's, this verse is in my notes. What she said wasn't, but I'm saying it now. The process. See, we, we always want to leap to the end of the journey. We're like little children in the back of the car. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know. There's this journey we're going through. I've had enough of it. I've had enough. I, I, let, let's get to the end of this journey. Forget that. Forget it. It's not the end. It's the process. And in this process, you are giving thanks to God. And in the giving thanks to God, you are acknowledging Him. You are knowing Him. You're being bound together with Him. That's what it's all about. And as you thus acknowledge him, it says, he shall direct your path. And that word direct means make plain. He clears away all the rocks and all the things that would be in your way. And, and you, you, you walk on the path. Well, here you are. Where do I find you? I, I, I'll talk for a couple of minutes to those that I find who are in darkness. You know what I mean? Darkness, when you can't see where you're going, you don't know what's going on. And usually it's a place that you would describe as a place of anxiety of some kind or another. Could be totally in your mind. It could be because of events. Whatever. Could be because of loss. A loss that's caused you grief and sorrow could be suffering at some level or something that's happening. What do, you, what do you do? Let me tell you this. Jesus, this is the meaning of the incarnation. You know, we, we say glibly, God became flesh. What do we mean by that? I mean that God got inside not only inside your darkness, but inside your head as you look and evaluate the darkness. How else could he know you? Jesus, the incarnation means he got inside of our anxieties and saw what we see. Even though we're seeing a lie, Jesus looked out through your eyes and sees what you see. And feels what you feel, the knot in your stomach and the trembling and the horror. Please know that. You see, what, what you're feeling right now is not sin. 
Please understand that. Jesus came and joined you right there. That's the gospel. So, you, you don't have to try and put on a religious, brave face. Flush that down the toilet. But recognize that Jesus, this is the gospel. Do you hear me? Jesus entered inside our darkness and looked out at the false, accusing, phony God that would condemn you for your feelings, condemn you for where you are right now. And Jesus reports to you that as he sees what you see, he sees right through it as lies. And he reports to you the Father who dearly loves you, who refuses to be God without you, who loves you and showers his love upon you. Yeah. And Jesus reports to you that you and the situation you find yourself in, however you got there, is included in him. You're not separated. So he's in you seeing and feeling. And the situation is in him. And he's telling you that the truth that dismembers the darkness, unravels the purpose of the lie, is that the Father loves you. And Jesus came and sat inside you to carry you to the full inheritance that is yours. And Jesus now, on your behalf, gives thanks to the Father. So, trust the Father. I I know how you feel. I'm not talking about your feelings. Choose. Simple. Just recognize. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the faithful and true witness. He knows what you think, and he's offering to you to share in his mind and to think what he thinks. And to see what he sees of the Father. And to see... How phony and empty and nothing are the satanic lies. And let, you know, here in um, Bandera, we, we have a football team at the high school, the Bulldogs, and the, the slogan in town is, you know, let the dogs out. And if you're going to let the dogs out, you have to have the dogs there to be let out. And I'm saying, let the light that brings light to you from Jesus, let the peace that comes from let, let, let. Don't, don't struggle it. Don't try it. Let. Just let it. Recognize Jesus is the truth. You trust him. You trust what he said about the Father. So join him through the Holy Spirit, enabling you Join Jesus in giving thanks to the Father. Transcend your feelings. Dismiss your feelings. Ignore your feelings. Drive them crazy. And give thanks to the Father. 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 This is not a gimmick. It's not a formula for a happy life. This is the very 
basis of faith. And as we thus give thanks to the Father through Jesus the Son, something always happens. I I won't say what happens, because no two fingerprints are alike and no two snowdrops are alike. I, I mean, God's not into you know, everybody cookie cut. I don't know how he will solve your situation, but believe me, he will. As they began to sing praise to God, Paul and Silas, in that hideous Roman sewer of a cell prison, there was the earthquake, right? And as a direct correlation there. It says, as Jehoshaphat's army went out singing praise to God, it says, when the song to the Lord began, then their enemies fell apart. The joy of the Lord, says Nehemiah 8, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So maybe it won't be an earthquake. Maybe it will not be a massive public falling apart of enemies. It could be the rise of divine strength within you. But believe me, this this you could take as a a three-month, well, what's the word? A three-month exercise in which you, you re-educate your heart, mind, to take control of your brain, mind, and in everything. Give thanks to the Father through Jesus Christ the Lord in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit and stand back and see what God does. Amen. Now the blessing of God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, His blessing invade His blessing fill and overflow your life. Bring light and peace and joy in, through, from Jesus Christ the Lord, through his Spirit within you. So I now bless you and speak healing to your heart, mind, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.